Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we continue our Lenten Conversion Stories series and reflect on how God is calling us to renew our faith commitment this Lenten season. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. Today we're excited to have Paula Wosu as our guest for our show. Paula is a student at the University of Texas at Dallas, my alma mater, and she's studying pre-med. She's also a catechumen in our RCIA program here at St. Joseph, and will be receiving the Sacraments of Initiation at the Easter Vigil Mass this April. As someone actively pursuing the Catholic faith, I'm excited to have her join us today to reflect on the topic of conversion. Paula, welcome. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Paula, we're so glad to have you here and hear your story, especially because you're in the midst of it uh, as an RCIA participant who will be coming into the church this Easter. Um, But before we dive into your faith journey, which for many people can be very personal, um, we want to get to know you a little bit more. And so I know we were talking a little bit before this podcast started about how you like K-dramas and are interested in the whole Korean culture. So I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about that. Um, I had never heard of a K-drama. I had heard of K-pop. Uh, <laughs> Father Stephen, I was saying one of my daughters likes K-pop in one of their groups. And so I do hear their songs. Um, mm-hmm. But Paula, tell us a little bit about K-dramas and maybe what you were sharing with me about the values in that. Okay, so I first got into K-dramas like about high school. And initially I did get interested in them because they were kind of different than like, you know, your typical, you know, American TV show. Like um, I have a lot of friends talk about like um, the show Friends. I have have not watched that and I'm not interested in watching it. But um, for K-dramas, for me, I like how like, you know, they're funny, they're very personable. They, you know, have uh, a lot of different aspects than you would find like, you know, American TV show like I find that it's more like censored in a way you know it's just like more comfortable for me to you know watch and view so I really enjoy like, watching those during my free time nice have you ever seen any K-dramas Father Steven um, not any series but I did watch a fantastic Korean movie um, called Babo um, the subtitle was translated as Miracle of the Giving Fool huh. and it was a fascinating film about a boy, well, a, a girl was the main character and she was reconnecting with a guy that she'd grown up with in school and he had some pretty serious mental development issues. Um, but now they are both adults and she's reconnecting with him and she was coming from a perspective of, you know, kind of almost a vapid life and she reconnects with him and discovers the joys of simple life and honest, valuable love that she'd been missing in the rest of her kind of, you know, um, social media and, um, you know, vanity driven lifestyle that she'd been living in the city. And she came to rediscover the value of life, her own life and others through the witness of someone who was mentally disabled. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. And it's something I 
can't imagine Hollywood making. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so I can see some of what draws you to these dramas if they're in the same kind of vein. I definitely. Yeah, that, that's definitely what intrigues me the most. That's interesting. I've never, I like foreign movies, but I, I can't say that I've never seen one, um, a, a K drama. So maybe I'll have to take a look at that mm. and see, especially for the values, you know, for looking for videos or series that you can watch with your family is very difficult nowadays. So that's interesting. Now, Paula, I know you also told me that one of your hobbies is archery or learning archery. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Ooh. Okay. So the thing is I have not started any like uh, formal archery training is something I can picture myself doing. Like, you know, if I, you know, get good at it, perhaps I might sign up to be in the Olympics. Like that's a dream, but like, you know, I, I, I kind of want to reach there. So, you know, when I actually have the time, I definitely want to, you know, incorporate some beginner archery classes and, you know, try to actually play a sport because I'm not very athletic and I have not really played a sport in a while. So that's just the one that's interesting, you know, for me right now. Well, I love that. You're at that stage in life where everything is a possibility. You know, <laughs> yes. there are dreams, you're you're in college, you're a sophomore, you're studying. And so I, I love that stage because it's at this point, just radical openness to God, right? Like mm -hmm. wherever you want to take me, Lord, here are my passions, here are my dreams. Um, wherever we go with it. So I think that's beautiful. And you've mentioned you're busy. Of course, you're busy, you're a student, and you've been going through our RCIA program. Um, I also understand that you don't have a car, so you've been... Yeah, I've been taking like lifts, Ubers to get here. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how it's been. But, you know, it's worth it. It's worth the struggle. Well... With that, maybe we can dive into your story, how you got drawn into the Catholic faith um, and the RCIA process, and just tell us about your faith story. Okay, so this does go kind of far back because my mom was actually attending the St. Joseph Parish like since before I was born. Like she was like, you know, going to mass, like I was in her stomach and all. I guess you could say I was also participating as well. So it was at um, in middle school where I first went through the RCA program. But unfortunately, during that time, uh, we did not have any sponsors. So it just was not able to happen. Um, you know, a couple years fast forward, we're here we are now and I'm also doing the program as well. And, you know, it's almost Easter vigil. So, you know, things are actually looking up. We have sponsors and everything's in place. But um, I would say during that time, you know, not having a sponsor, everything like that, um, it, it kind of was hard for me because I, I really was looking forward to being more integrated into the church. Like, you know, I have been coming here since I was basically a child. So when that kind of fell through, it was really disappointing um, for me. And I could say that it, it did affect my faith to a point because I felt like, you know, I was not on the same grounds as others. I, I felt kind of like, you know, different. Um, so that kind of did... Um, affect my faith for a bit. And I think it also opened me up to the fact that I feel like I was more, um, I would say incorporated in my parents' faith. I didn't actually have my own personal relationship with God. So during high school, that's when I actually discovered that. And, you know, uh, my, my eyes kind of opened, things changed for me. I started realizing, you know, um, the people I had around me, you know, what the things I'm doing, stuff like that. I tried to, you know, be more of a disciple of, of Christ. And it's really interesting that being in the RCA program now, like, you know, we 
like not only are we trying to fulfill like the sacraments and stuff like that, but we're also trying to become, you know, good disciples of Christ after the program is finished. It's not just like, you know, checking off a box and getting everything done. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that checking boxes is a temptation we have Mm -hmm. a lot of times because, you know, so often we're focused on the end result that, you know, we just want to get it done. We just want to get through it and have it behind us. And, you know, a lot of times because of that, we miss the opportunities for growth. We miss the opportunities to really engage well and benefit more from the process in the midst. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you've experienced this time around that's been different from the first time you went through RCIA? Okay, so... This time around, I was kind of paying more attention because I remember back then in middle school, I was, I mean, I was pretty like shy, introverted. So like, you know, if I was like asked a question, I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't want to answer or something like that. Um, I, I would say I'm now like paying more attention, trying to like apply what I learned in RCA like to my life. Like, you know, mm. um, that being a disciple of Christ, that's actually what I took from RCA class. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not just checking a box anymore. Like back in middle school, that was definitely kind of my mentality a bit. So when I heard that in RCA class, I was like, oh yeah, like I definitely agree with that. Like, you know, you're actually trying to learn how to not only apply your faith like to your life, but also to um, kind of, I, I wouldn't say market, but like kind of um, share that with others around you. Cause like you also want them to come know um, Christ as well. So uh, that's uh, something I've definitely learned from this time around in RCIA. You know, <clears throat> when I first heard you mentioned that you started RCIA in middle school and you were not able to be received into the church because you couldn't find a sponsor, um, I felt so sad and and not only sad, but also kind of ashamed, like, oh, what happened that, you know, at that level that we couldn't help you find a sponsor in order to do that, that you had to wait so long before you came back into the church. And so I do kind of want to pick on that a little bit just to find out, um, you know, I know you mentioned your mom started coming before you were even born. So I'm assuming your mom had all her sacraments, correct? Yes. So you and your siblings, for some reason, you didn't get it when you were younger. Mm -hmm. So it was untraditional. So you all came and you were in that process together. So was it really, were there several factors or was it just you didn't have close friend or there just wasn't anyone from the church that they could provide a sponsor for you? I think a other than that, there were other like other factors as well, because it actually came to me like last week, I was wondering like, you know, why didn't we go through that process like a little bit younger? Like, um, I know at middle school, like, you know, we're all we're relatively young, but like, you know, a little bit before that, like, you know, why wasn't baptism done and stuff like that? I, I still have not, you know, asked my parents about that. Um, yeah, but I do think that there were other factors like, uh, a lot of our family is like not close to us. Um, I have like aunts and uncles in like Australia and, you know, it's kind of difficult like having them come over here. So that also played a part, you know, cause they could have also been our sponsors as well. But um, families either like in Australia, um, back in Nigeria, we don't really have a lot of family here. So that was also a problem in itself. And I, I think it was because like, you know, um, all three of my siblings also needed sponsors as well. And, you know, my parents could not be sponsors. So that was also a thing as well. Like, I, I think um, that other people probably um, 
we're able to easily get to our sponsors just because like, you know, my family's kind of like, you know, big. I have three other siblings myself as well, and we all needed sponsors. So it was kind of difficult. Yeah. And are your siblings also going through the RCIA process now or is it just you? It's not just me. It's my um, younger sisters, Victoria and Jessica. My brother did go through the RCIA program last year so he already received his sacraments and he's actually going to sponsor um, one of my sisters because uh, um, he's actually allowed to um, so yeah that's nice so tell me a little bit about what was it that kind of impelled you to come back you know at this stage to come back to the faith did you have somebody invite you did you meet somebody you know who was telling you about the faith that just kind of ignited that fire for you to be more fully integrated into the catholic church i it's always been on my mind, but I think my brother, like seeing him go out of his own way to go through the program, the program by himself and, you know, uh, complete that whole process kind of inspired me because I know that, um, during high school, like time was limited, but you know, of course I do think that there was time for the program, but I, I think it was just that, you know, that collective kind of like, um, defeats that I felt and my my mom also felt and everyone else felt that they couldn't that we couldn't do it in middle school so I think like for time for some time we were kind of um I don't know we were just kind of like you know laying low or something we just like the I guess you could say that the passion wasn't there or something I would you know I was just kind of like a, a disappointed I'm not I'm also like in myself as well because I felt that you know there was something that I could have done as well so I think up until now like seeing my brother do it on, on by himself um that really inspired me to do it this time and I naturally dragged my sisters as well you know got the whole family involved it was like no let's do this thing now please um yeah but it's, it's not it's no longer checking off a box this time it's it's more like you know I want to do this because I want to be like more integrated in the church. I want to be closer to God, you know. Did you and your family, even though you you didn't you had not received your sacraments, did you guys come to mass on Sundays? Definitely, yes. We still went to um, mass every Sunday. It's just that um, I would feel like you know, kind of sad, like seeing everyone like receive Holy Communion, like that could have been me, <laughs> like you know that kind of feeling. <laughs> but um, instead, I would do a spiritual communion during that time. So I would you know sit down and pray a spiritual communion because you know I still wanted to you know benefit during that time. I I didn't think I, I could just like you know. I mean, I didn't think that like, you know, I would just like sit in my seat and like not participate, you know, I could do something. Yeah, that's beautiful. That idea of a spiritual communion. A lot of times we get so caught up on, you know, the physical participation mm -hmm. yeah. in the mass that we forget that it's, it's meant to foster not just that physical communion, but the spiritual connection with the Lord and not being able to receive the Eucharist mm -hmm. puts you in an even better position to do that because you can't go through that experience of physically receiving. So all you can do is look for that spiritual mm -hmm. communion. And, you know, that was, I think, one of the, the helpful things for some Catholics in the midst of the pandemic being disconnected from regular Sunday Mass, you know, for good or ill, some people recognized more and more how important that spiritual communion was alongside the physical communion. Um, there's, I think, been a, a great renewal in that. Thanks be to God. Mm -hmm. um, and it's wonderful that you're already there. So I'm curious, Paula, um, like, and I, I agree with Father, like how beautiful is it that 
you all were faithful and coming to mass, even when you weren't able to go and receive communion, that that was still a part. So I imagine, you know, you're learning from the liturgy and you're learning from um, hearing the homily and the words proclaimed. But I, I, my question for you is at any point during, you know, since middle school up until now, you know, did you have any additional formation? Did you go to any Bible studies or did you have any groups that you were a part of that helped you grow closer to the Lord, maybe in that relational aspect and maybe not just the head knowledge, but just loving the Lord? Um, so in high school, I, I, I would not say that I had like a group that I could go to. Um, but in college, yes, I did join like the UTD um, Catholic ministry and there I joined Bible study. And so, you know, that's kind of like, you know, a group setting, like we're all like, um, like sharing like our, you know, our personal experience with the church, um, our relationships with Jesus. And, you know, it's kind of like nice hearing from others about like, you know, um, how they feel, how they manage things, you know, just different aspects of like their relationship with Christ. So it's just kind of nice. It's a really nice environment to be in. Yeah. You know, the, that's one of the, the valuable things in our life of faith as Catholics, no matter where we are, there are other Catholics that we can connect with and find support in. Um, you know, if you end up going to another country, there are Catholics there. <laughs> You know, um, even if you have to do a little bit of looking to find them, um, that that's one of the great beauties about being the Catholic Church and Catholic, you know, in the Greek means universal. You know, it's all over. Um, and it's great to see that, that you're benefiting from that, you know, um, and looking for that connection. Because I, I think a lot of times we can easily just get so caught up in ourselves that we forget that we need those connections with the community. I mean, you know, it, it was very obvious that you needed it the first time <laughs> and you didn't have it, you know. You were missing a lot of that community mm. the first yes. time you went through RCIA. Mm. And unfortunately, didn't have people who were ready to connect you, eager to connect you to the people you needed to connect with. And this time around, you're finding even more mm -hmm. connection. Um, you know, and that, that really is a beautiful thing. You know, a lot of times we can get discouraged when we don't get what we need, yeah. what we know we should be expecting from the church. A lot of people get let down by the weaknesses of the people in the church. And it can be really rough dealing with that and staying faithful in the midst of it. And so I, I love how beautiful an example of you are that you are of that perseverance mm -hmm. in the midst of the struggle. Mm. You know, and you know, if you don't mind, I'd I'd love to hear, you know, what what was your response when you found out that you weren't gonna be confirmed in middle school, that you weren't gonna be brought into the church? I remember that my initial response was just sadness. I was just, mm. I was just really, I don't know. I was just really sad that day. I was like, oh, you know, we went through this like since like, you know, you know, for a couple of months and everything like that. And then, you know, now that we're finally ending the program and um, going to receive the sacraments, being baptized, like, you know, it's not going to happen. So I, um, I just felt really, I don't know, down, um, I couldn't, I, I don't want to say that my time was like wasted. Definitely not. Cause I did learn a lot, even though like, you know, then I, I can't remember from now, but uh, yeah, I just felt kind of sad. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times that sadness can kind of 
color everything else about the church for us. Um, So, you know, in in the midst of that, y'all continued coming back to Mass. Mm -hmm. You continued to seek, even though you were away from the program for a long time. What what sustained you in the midst of that? Uh, I would say... I don't I, it's kind of hard to say. I think I think my my family really kind of held me together cuz my mom like you know she was uh she was raised and born and raised Catholic and everything like that. So I think that her strong like drive kind of like you know compelled us to keep on coming to mass. Um so you know I I kind of gained strength from her strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she was obviously disappointed as well, but you know, she was like there for the family. She was like, you know, we have to keep on going to mass. I understand that. Like you might feel a little frustrated. And it was kind of mm-hmm. strange seeing some, the people that were in the RCA program at church. And they were like, and one of them went to my middle school. She was like, what happened? She was like, oh. you know, I was like, oh. And like, you know, explaining the whole thing. Like even now I have to like explain to others like, oh, I wasn't able to do it in middle school because this. It, it just like kind of it's kind of just brought up you know like when they hear i'm doing rca now so um yeah it was i, I would say like my mom really kept me strong during that time yeah mm. you know I, I remember whenever i was working in youth ministry the first time that i heard that the rcia program provides sponsors i was really confused by that because normally um at least when i'm working with families who tradition you know, are doing the traditional route and people are going through confirmation um, for eighth grade, we encourage them to find a family friend, you know, a faithful Catholic that they look up to, to be their sponsor and be someone that they could have this relationship who will basically be in their life to continue to help them. And it was always something that, you know, they chose and it was very rare that they didn't have someone and we would maybe need to step in. And the first time that I had a conversation with our RCIA director and he was saying that, you know, he's looking for volunteers to be sponsors. I thought it was strange, but it makes complete sense. You know, especially if you have people who are converting to the faith, maybe they don't know anybody at all um, or they're new to the area, you know, that they need that. And I think it's important that the people who are listening are aware of that, that this is a ministry that people are called to, to be sponsors who basically go through the program, you know, they're walking with you on the journey as you're being formed, they're also being formed. And basically they're promising or, you know, calling, answering the call to step in and be a sponsor. And that is something that the church is in great need of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the the blessings of that model of family being a sponsor is you've got somebody that's going to stay connected with you through the rest of your lives because you're already connected by family. But when we don't have that, that sponsor relationship, you know, becomes actually a little more dear because it's somebody who chooses to be involved Mm -hmm. in your life, who chooses to help you. And it adds something beyond what you already have in your family. Um, and that, I think, gives a, a much better witness to what we want out of our sponsors. You know, we want them to be good models of the faith. And sometimes we have great models within our families. Sometimes we don't have great mm-hmm. models in our families of what the faith looks like on a lived day-to-day basis. And that's, I think, where it's, it's so valuable having these kind of volunteer uh, sponsors because they are people who are Mm -hmm. so eager to share the faith 
that they are willing to do it with strangers to accompany people they don't know yet to come into the church. And that is just such a great blessing because that's what our mission is as church. It's to help others who don't know Jesus yet to come to know him and to come and see themselves as part of this community of faith in Jesus. And so I, I'd love to hear your perspective on how that's been working this time around. Um, this time around, honestly, it's it's kind of funny because my sponsor this time around, I actually met her through the Catholic club at UTD. Um, so yeah, we just, you know, kind of hit things off, you know, we're not in the same Bible study, but you know, just seeing her like interact with everyone else and just seeing how lively and personable she was. I was like, you know, wow, like I should really like, get closer to this person. Like, you know, eventually we became friends and you know, um, it's since that we we have the same culture because she's also Nigerian as well. I felt like it was, it was kind of easier for me to ask her to my sponsor, and like she was like, of course. So uh, yeah, so this time around, like I don't have a church sponsor. One of my sisters does have a church sponsor, but you know, I and I, it makes me think back to middle school, and I wonder like you know why was I not able to find a sponsor then? Probably because I, I was incredibly shy, very introverted. Um, my family is also not as social as well, so I think that also kind of um plays into you know why we did not have a sponsor at that time um also there's like some family turmoil on mom and dad side so there's that as well so um you know this is kind of it's kind of funny this time that i was able to you know find a sponsor like on my own through like you know um relationships rather than having a true sponsor this time around so mm. there, there's a difference there yeah now i'm curious paula what what do you hope will change you know Easter Vigil, you are going to be received into the church. You'll become a full-fledged member after Easter. Mm -hmm. On the other Sundays when you come, or just your life in general, like what do you imagine will change? Or what do you hope to do as a disciple in the church? I hope to be more at peace with my relationship with God, um, more consistent in, you know, prayer. I I really look forward to like going to confession. I know that it's only like a yearly requirement, but I want to be going at least like once a month. You know, I, I kind of just want to do it all and really see where my relationship with God goes. So I'm, I'm just really excited. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's one of the great blessings of seeing this conversion as more of a journey rather than a momentary thing, because it's easy to get caught up in the moment, especially since you missed the moment the first time around. But I, I'm wondering if this has helped you kind of see more that the journey is more important than the moment. The journey definitely is more important than the moment because you have to kind of like learn things along the way to apply to after you actually get things done. So like, for example, like going through RCIA class and just like hearing everyone else's inputs and like into like their interpretations of like, you know, like the Bible or like, you know, their interpretations of like um, just daily, you know, things that, that you do with your um, relationship with God, that kind of thing. So just like kind of learning along the way kind of um, makes me prepared for how I'm ready to live my life after I've received the sacraments, after I've been baptized. So yeah, learning along the journey is definitely important. One of the things that I can just hear in your voice and I can see in your face and your, your gestures is the joy and the excitement. Um, you know, just this anticipation of, of what it will be like. And I think that's so beautiful. And 
I've experienced in the church that some of my greatest volunteers were converts who went through the RCIA program and they were just on fire. You know, they made that decision on their own that this is what they wanted to do. Not to say that being a cradle Catholic is wrong by any means. I mean, hello, (laughs) we're here. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's, I think that sometimes we can become complacent and we forget what a joy and what a blessing we have within the church. And so just to be able to be, to hear that in your voice, I think is, is something that's beautiful. And for all of us, we need to maybe just remember that, you know, we have the ability right now to go and receive, um, to go to confession. How many of you are excited to go to confession? (laughs) You know, I just, I love hearing that. And I'm so excited for you and and for all of the people who are going to be coming into the church this Easter season. Yeah. I think that excitement is something that we can see and then also reflect on, you know, if I'm not that excited about my spiritual journey, about having received the sacrament that she's so excited that she's about to receive, where do I need to renew myself? You know, where do I need to get more excited? Because, you know, it wasn't just a momentary thing. This gift of the Holy Spirit is enduring in me. And that's really what our Lenten journey is all about. You know, you've been doing it on the other side than most of us do, you know, as cradle Catholics who were baptized as infants, a lot of us. But it's still meant to be this season of returning to that feeling of expectation, of looking forward to the fulfillment of those promises we've received by the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. You know, we get just little glimpses of it in this life, but it's meant to lead us to that eternal life of God's heavenly kingdom. You've got that more in mind than the rest of us because, (laughs) you know, you haven't been sealed yet. You haven't received it. But the rest of us who have still haven't received the fullness of it. And that's what we need to remind ourselves of as we see you and your excitement We need to get just as excited because we're already on the way. You know, you're on the way, but you're encouraging us by that wonderful witness this year. Um, And so I I really thank you, Paul, for (laughs) being that reminder to us um, of the joy we should have as we're coming to Christ day by day. You know, Father Stephen, one of the things that I was thinking about is how, you know, as you mentioned, the point of these conversion stories is for all of us during our Lenten journey to just reflect on where the Lord is calling us and how he's calling us to renew our faith in him and and convert our hearts and just turn to him more fully. And it makes me think about in the RCIA process how even with the Easter vigil, it's not done. You know, this is a journey, but there's also a specific journey, that fourth period of time, which they call mystagogy, you know, which is maybe that time of reflection. Maybe you can break that open for us a little bit, what that is, because I think that's also applicable to all of us, uh, you know, as a a correlation between our Lenten journey and this Mm. season of mystagogy. Yeah. You know, in, in the formal structure of the RCIA, you've got that initial period of, you know, inquiry, figuring out, is this where I belong? Is this what I want to do? And where is the Lord calling me? You know, we have at that stage, a lot of questions, but when we start finding answers, we find that we're really being called into it because everybody's called into Mm -hmm. it. And then we start more formally kind of in the program 
and we become, you know, in different stages, those candidates, catechumens who are getting ready for receiving the sacraments in the Catholic Church. But then once we're there, once we've received them, we're fully initiated into the church. There's this period that is called mystagogy that comes after. And a lot of times we miss this part because especially for cradle Catholics, you know, we go through at our particular age at which we get confirmed. And then there's not a lot done after that because typically those confirmations come in the Easter season when the school year's ending anyway, and people are going off on vacation and things kind of, you know, programs stop. And then we start them back up in the fall. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to lose track of this period of mystagogy in most of our lives. But arguably, it's one of the most important parts of the RCIA process because it's continuing to unpack the mystery, which is where that mist part of mystagogy comes from, the mysteries of the sacraments we've received. And to some extent, the rest of our lives is meant to be mystagogy, continuing to learn and apply to our lives the graces of baptism, of confirmation, of the Eucharist, of reconciliation, as you mentioned, Paula, you know, continuing to see how our lives are transformed by what we have received from God and inviting that grace to transform us even more day by day. And so that mystagogy is ongoing learning about who God is, because we can always learn more about God because he's infinite <laughs> and we're finite, but also how he's been effective in our lives, the lives of our friends, the lives of the saints. And as we see that more and more, we get closer and closer to him and dive deeper and deeper into sharing his life. And that's really the goal of RCIA. It's not just getting you to the sacraments. It's getting you to the sacraments so that you can live that life in Christ every day going forward until you finally reach the fulfillment in that eternal day of God's heavenly kingdom. And that's what I think we need to remind ourselves of more who have already received these sacraments that you're so eager for, that we need to be just as intentional about figuring out where am I? Am I really living those graces that I received? You know, can I recognize the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life? Can I recognize the fruits of the Holy Spirit in my life? Because if the Spirit's alive in me, it's going to bear fruit. You know, and the, that all belongs to that period of mystagogy. And, you know, it's something that we unpack, you know, week after week by listening to the Sunday readings and reflecting on them but also by that you know, self-reflection and prayer of where am I spiritually and what do I need to do to get closer to the Lord? You know, I really like your explanation of mystagogy. I don't know if I've ever um, really heard it unpacked like that, and it makes so much sense because in my experience it was more of, okay, the connection piece now. Mm. Okay, your church, now let's get you connected. How can you be a part of the church community? But you really focused on how it's also this, um, you know, this part of the spiritual reflection of reflecting on on the liturgy, on the sacraments, on the Holy Spirit. Is it moving in my life? Is it producing fruit? So that time to just 
you know, analyze. And we're, we're such a busy culture and world and there, we have so many things going on, but just to have that time to, to reflect on how God is working in our life. But then from that reflection, you know, can be the call, you know, how is God calling me to be more deeply integrated into my faith community? You know, maybe it's inviting other people to come to RCIA, or maybe it is that integration into the life of the community via, you know, a ministry organization or something else. Yeah. And you know, that, that period of mystagogy used to be much more of a, a focus, especially in the early church. You get some of the greatest homilies that we've got records of from the church fathers were their instructions, their mystagogical catecheses to their newly initiated members, their newly baptized, their newly confirmed, helping them to unpack and live the graces that they received in the sacrament, because the sacrament's a moment, but the grace you receive in it is for the rest of your life. And so they were far more intentional about making that happen than we've gotten to be in the last hundred years. But one of the great blessings of the renewal that's been brought about by further study of the church fathers and the the kind of to use a very technical French term, ressourcement, that inspired the Second Vatican Council, this return to our origins, the church fathers and the, the witness of the saints, has really helped us recognize that we need a renewal in mystagogy in our church. We need to return to this seeking of unpacking what God has shared with us so that we can benefit from it in everything that we do. So Paula, in your journey, what is next before Easter Vigil? Have you already had your retreat experience? I have not had my retreat yet. So, you know, still still waiting for that to happen, but I cannot wait for what I learned during that process. Um, as for afterwards, um, yeah, I did mention that, like, you know, I, I look forward to like, you know, going to confession to um, be more like... I would say consistent in some things that I do to better my relationship with God. Like, you know, for example, praying the rosary um, during Lent, I, I decided to, you know, pray the rosary daily. And I want to con continue to incorporate that because I just feel like that's just something that I I'm not like very good at, um, especially with time, because like, you know, given being a student, you know, I, I do have like, you know, a lot of things that I have to do and stuff like that. But I feel like personally, um, time is something that I struggle with, like giving to God. So that's why I incorporated praying the rosary. So I'm going to continue doing that even after um, the Lent season is over. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. That That's really what the goal of Lent is, is to build up those new habits that are going to benefit us spiritually for the rest of our lives. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you found something that's really nourishing you in that way. Well, it's just about that time. Um, Paula, in every one of our episodes, we try to offer tools for our listeners to listen to that they can maybe take away. Um, and so one of the things that I think just really strikes me, and this can be taken in a variety of ways, but I think the tool of persistence. <laughs> mm. You know, mm. I see your persistence and coming back and 
participating in the RCIA program again after years of being away. Um, but I also see on the flip side, probably God, you know, that persistence of him, you know, that that image they have of, of Jesus knocking on the door, you know, like Jesus is there knocking at the door of your heart. Um, so I think persistence is one of the tools that I think we need. Um, and we can apply this in a variety of ways. I'll say persistence in prayer. Um, but just know that not only are we called to persistently seek the Lord, but he's also there persistently seeking us. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, one of the tools that I've found um, really intriguing um, is, you know, like with Lent, we're returning to kind of that pre-baptism period mentally, you know, to try and recall some of that excitement um, that you have as you're preparing. (laughs) Um, I think one of the things that can be helpful is, you know, maybe calling back to mind more of that you know, preparation in our lives. Um, some people do it very intentionally during Lent. Some people will also uh, make note of when is my baptism date? When is my confirmation date? And take some time to, you know, pray, especially for those graces to abound in their lives on the anniversaries of those dates. Um, you know, I know for for priests, we often remember the date of our ordination very specially. And I find it very helpful personally on the on that anniversary day to go back and look over those promises I made, the prayers that were prayed over me in that liturgy, so that I can invite those graces to grow even more year by year. That's why every year at the Chrism Mass, all our priests, you know, gather with the bishop and renew those promises that we made to him when we were ordained. Um, I think it can be very helpful for us to do that with the other sacraments too. Look back and see, well, maybe I don't remember my baptism all that well, but I can find the prayers of baptism, you know, the, the encouragements and all of that to remind myself of what do I need to focus on? What do I need to grow in? Because, you know, if that's not evident in my life and it was prayed for, I need to start cooperating with those graces now. You know, I love that idea, and especially for those who are listening who are parents, you know, taking time to sit with your children and and break Mm -hmm. open those photo albums and look at the pictures of Mm -hmm. them, you know, as a baby or even as a child, you know, upon their entrance into the church community and just take time to look at those together. And um, I know that I, for one, have saved all of the cards that people gave to my children for their baptism. And we even had a journal that I invited them to like write a prayer for them. So just Mm -hmm. taking time to read those together, not just for me, but for them who it was meant for. I think that's a great opportunity at renewal. Yeah, that's beautiful. One of the other tools I wanted to throw out here as I'm sitting across from Paula is I want to invite all of our listeners to pray for all those who are going to be coming into the church, um, whether they will be fully entered in or just receiving one of the sacraments at this stage in their journey. Um, I think we need to continue to pray for them and for all people who are away from the church for some reason um, that they will be able to have the opportunity to come back. Yeah. Yeah. We need to support one another in prayer. Absolutely. Paula, do you have any tools you'd like to add to our toolbox? Um, 
I would say the tool of consistency, probably like if there's some things that you incorporate in, into your life in order to, you know, better your relationship with God. Like, for example, you set, you know, maybe 30 minutes out of your day to like read the Bible or um, or to pray to rosary or, you know, to or or like you're you're doing a novena, that kind of thing. Like, I, I think it's really important to be consistent with those things, like especially if you feel like it helps and betters your relationship with God. So, yeah, consistency, yeah. consistency is key wonderful all right well paula thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate your willingness to come on and talk about (laughs) your journey of faith and especially you know being open with some of the struggles that you've had um you know it's really a joy to see you finally coming to (laughs) it you know finally working out all of those you know difficulties and coming to the graces that are there for you in baptism, confirmation, and the fullness of Catholic life. And it's a wonderful inspiration to the rest of us to live it more fully ourselves. Thank you for having me. Let us close in prayer to our patron and to our Heavenly Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for us. Glory of family life. Pray for us. Cornerstone of families. Pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant we pray that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.